Hi, I am Gebular. Welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi, episode 304. Star date November 7, 2010. Turn your clocks back, Earthlings. in sci-fi. What is all this about? I don't care what you believe. Identify yourself. With Rico Dosti. There's no greater challenge than the study of philosophy. Am I authorized to enter the neutral zone? Dr. Beverly Crusher. I would appreciate an explanation. Yes, you should. You will respond to my questions. Sit down, shut up, and wait. No, no, no. Your weekly dose of geeky goodness and entertainment news. Now, what do you think that tells me about your character? I'm sorry, I can't tell you that yet. Why not? I'm gonna make this simple for you, Mr. Crusher. Either you come forward and tell Admiral Brand what really took place, or I will. Trex and Sci-Fi, the weekly sci-fi podcast. I can assure you that I'm not given to casual relationships. I understand that. Yes, you should. Goodbye. Treks in Sci-Fi. Well, welcome, everybody. I'm Rick Moyer, filling in for our Commander-in-Chief Rico Dosti as he's uh, enjoying his birthday weekend at home. And, of course, uh, as you've been following Treks in Sci-Fi, you know that Rico works in a different town than he lives, and it's a little bit difficult sometimes on the weekends he comes home to actually podcast. So I stepped in uh, for today since I have a really cool report for you from the Battlestar Galactica exhibit in Seattle, Washington, that my wife and I and a couple of the forum members here at Treks in Sci-Fi uh, got to attend together over last weekend. So you're going to hear a little bit of some live reports from the from the Sci-Fi Museum. I hope you enjoy that. Uh, then we have a great episode to review today. We're reviewing the Next Generation's Peak Performance. It's a great episode. I think you'll remember it as the one where um, they they battle, do war games with the Hathaway and... Commander Riker becomes the captain of the Hathaway. Data plays a game called Stratagema with a with a strategist, and it's it's a great episode, and we'll talk all about it. Plus, we've got lots of comments from a bunch of people from the forum and listeners of the podcast, so I think you're going to enjoy that as well. We have a contest today, which will be quite fun, where you can win a download of my Stargazer album. Got a brand new album coming out called MW Orbit. We'll be talking about that a little bit. And then, of course, we have a little special surprise for you, Rico, at the very end of your podcast this week, since it is your birthday, so stick around for that. We'll be right back. I think you're going to enjoy the report from the Sci-Fi Museum coming up soon. Coming soon, the exciting follow-up to my Stargazer music project, the short story and musical journey of M.W. Orbit. Greetings. I am MW Orbit. Is there anyone there? Join MW Orbit, NASA's first artificially intelligent deep space probe, as he visits the Milky Way galaxy 
looking for life. MW updates his blog on where he is on his journey. He takes your email and Twitters and answers questions. Then, in a few weeks, he'll be downloading his journey interpreted through music. Initiating translation. Visit mw-orbit.com to read up on MW's progress. Coming soon, MW Orbit, the new interactive story and music project by me, Rick Moyer. Join MW as he journeys through the Milky Way galaxy, searching for life. Visit mw-orbit.com today. So, yeah, I think everybody's going to really enjoy the new uh, CD project that I'm working on. And you know what I'm going to do um, for Rico? Um, I'm going to give away three download codes uh, for the Stargazer CD, my last one. Um, what I'm doing is I'm raising money by selling download uh, codes, and I thought I'd give away three of them. So for the first three people that email Rico at treksf at gmail.com, they put in the subject line, I want Stargazer. That's all you have to say. I want Stargazer. Uh, the first three people that email him with that at treksf at gmail.com will win a free download of the Stargazer CD. And uh, yeah, you'll enjoy that. So that's the contest this week. If you want to, if, if you already have it, well, then you could definitely enter the contest and give it to a friend or a family member. Definitely a good album, and I think you'll really enjoy it. So again, send your email in. The first three people that email Rico at treksf at gmail.com and say, I want Stargazer in the subject line will be the folks that win the download code and you can download uh, your Stargazer CD immediately. Okay, let's get on with the show. Well, believe it or not, we're standing in the Sci-Fi Museum here in Seattle, Washington. Here's my wife, Amy. Hi, I'm Amy. <laughs> Hi, Rico. How's it going? And guess what? I actually have met now M5 from the forums. Mark, welcome. Hello, Rico and everybody in Trex and Sci-Fi. This is M5 live from the Science Fiction Museum. And we're just about to head up and see the Battlestar Galactica exhibit, third floor of the music experience, from what I understand. That's correct. I can't wait to see a live in person 
a viper. I just cannot wait to see this. I've, since I was a little kid, I've wanted to see a viper live. I always thought they were real. Of course they weren't, but... Oh, I, I've always wanted one since I was a teenager. I remember when the show first started, I was at some girl's house, and I looked up and says, Later for you, hon. i got to go right. home and watch Battlestar Galactica. That's right. you got to hit that turbo button. Whoosh. And you can't forget the little um, fishing line that you could see attached to the models. That was really cool. Yeah, well, we don't <laughs> talk about that. But we're actually, we're standing on the first floor. We just got in, and th at least this time they're going to allow me to take pictures, which is before they didn't. So I did bring my camera with me, but they did confiscate my monopod. But without flash. That's so going to be interesting. Yeah, we're going to try to get the best pictures we can, but uh, let's hope it all works out. But it should be fun. And then another friend of ours, um, Daryl from, um, I, I think he's in Kirkland? I'm, I'm not sure where he lives, but he lives up in this area. He's uh, bringing a couple of his kids, and he'll be here a little bit later, so we'll, we'll introduce him a little bit later on. But here's our, that's our first of our reports. Now we're going to head out and see the, uh, the exhibit, and then we'll be back to uh, talk a little bit more about it. So here we are, we're, we're still in the Science Fiction Museum, and we just walked, we're having a great time meeting Mark here and getting to know him. It's so fun to meet people that are from, that you talk to all the time, but you never get to see them, and now we get to see each other. But anyway, we were just in this awesome room where we got to see the Enterprise, uh, the Captain Kirk's chair. That was cool, and we got to see E.T. and the ship that E.T. flew in. Don't forget the Daggett from the original Battlestar Galactica. Muffy. Muffet. He was there. And then where else? we also got to... Um, so, oh yeah, Tweaky from Buck Rogers. We got to see the Terminator machine, and and then we also got to see R two D two and a couple of the robots from the old old like Lost in Space, mm -hmm. and th so that was really cool. And that was just on the first first thing when we came in. We'll have pictures up on the forum later, so you can can see those too. It'll be kind of fun. But now we're gonna head down and see some other things. We're still waiting for our friend Daryl to get here, so it should be a lot of fun. What'd you think of the the first part of it? I loved it. And this is for Brian. Captain Kirk's chair was there along with his shirt, and you could feel the power coming from the chair, Brian. If, we, if you would have been here, Brian, you probably would have ripped the shirt just because, you, don't, of you know. Course, of course he would have ripped the shirt. Exactly. And by the way, uh, Brian, we are using an iPod Touch by Apple to record this interview, just so you know. Okay, so here we are at the Sci-Fi Museum again, and now I've met up with Daryl, a.k.a. Bearbutt. <laughs> I always get a kick out of your handle on Twitter. But uh, Daryl, hi. Hi. I'm, I'm also Daryl the tip giver on the instance. Not only is he on the instance, but he also has another podcast that you do. That's true. It's called Common Nonsense. And it's very fun. You and your partner who is? Buxley. That's right. It's hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. And you brought your kids with you today. Yes, they're well, here. Yeah, this guy, the little guy, Jeremy, has actually been on some tip giver tips before. Awesome. He loves the microphone. That's good. Say hi to everybody. Hello. There, good. <laughs> and, and who is this? And this is Dylan. Hello. Cool. Well, we're excited because you've met us here at the Sci-Fi Museum, kind of a fun meetup. Mark's with us. My wife, Amy, is with us. And now we're headed to go see, for the very first time in my life, a life-sized Viper from Battlestar Galactica. This could be, I don't know. This has got geek heaven here. It'll be the coolest thing ever. I, I think so. So here we go. Okay, we're actually here looking at the Vipers. We've seen uh, Apollo's Viper from the new series. We're standing in front of it right now. Uh, we've also seen a Cylon Raider. And we've also seen another uh, Mark II. This is a Mark II Viper that we're looking at. This is Mark VII. Mark VII. This is the Mark II over here. Uh, Viper that they used in the actual... Uh, 
series as well. And so what's your, what are you guys' first impressions? What do you think? I'm overwhelmed and impressed and amazed, and it's really neat. It's, it's pretty cool. Mark, what do you think? I'd give them $5 American if they'd let me sit in one of them. <laughs> if they would only let us sit, sit in one of them, I doubt it. You have to tell. You have to read the sign over here for us, though. This is hilarious. You, you come over to these like rope lights that are around them, like from Buck Rogers, and, uh, and there's a sign. What does it say, Mark? Don't frack and touch the artifacts. <laughs> and then something, a real treat, Daryl, was right across. You were taking pictures of the, of the Viper, and then I saw him turn around. And he looked past my shoulder and went, oh, wow. And what do they have over here? Uh, the big thing itself. The, the Galactica herself. And not the one from the, from the new series, the old series Galactica. Yeah, uh, but I think it's a reproduction, but it's a really, really good one. All, all the details on it, and it's just absolutely amazing looking. They, they have it under glass, and then uh, uh, your son pointed out, I was thinking, gosh, why do I feel like I'm moving here? And what's on, on the wall behind it? Moving stars. They have, they have a projection of moving stars, so you feel like you're kind of floating around up here. It's kind of cool. So now we're going to head over. They've got a bunch of the uniforms and stuff that they used on the series, so we're going to head over and look at those, and and uh, we'll report back a little bit later. But the Vipers and the Cylon Raiders, way cool. What do you think, Amy? I think it's pretty cool. But, yeah, I think it would be fun to ride around in one instead of just look at them. Well, they're, you do know they're props. I want to at least get up on a ladder and peek down inside and see how fakey it looks. I know, because I wonder if it has all the display and, and stuff in it or if, it's, if this was just for outside stuff. I think maybe just below window level it probably cuts off, and then below that it's probably cardboard, plywood, and stuff like that. Man, I wish we could get up far enough. Oh, I'll tell you what, I'll lift you up on my shoulders. Let's try it. <laughs> okay, now something really cool to note is that I just walked over. Uh, we're looking at um, all the different costumes and stuff from the original series and from the newer series of Battlestar Galactica. We just got to see one of the, um, the bugs from the first movie of Battlestar Galactica that remember the bugs that had them underneath uh, on, the, on the planet where it was like Las Vegas and uh, yeah Carolyn that's right and they're called the Ovions anyway we got to see them they had a kind of a re replica of one of the bugs here which is kind of cool but then as we rounded the corner uh, we got to play this interactive game on who will you choose uh, you either are nice to Cylons or bad to Cylons and uh, my friend, my uh, little friend here, decided we would be nice to the Cylons, but we were only 43% in agreement. 57% of the people thought, throw them out the airlock. So, you know, that what that says about us, right? So we're nice, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. And then I turned the corner, and who is it that's sitting here on his command chair? But the imperious leader himself of the Cylons from the old series. And he looks really cool. I didn't realize that his face, though, almost looks like a lion. I mean, isn't that kind of weird? Yeah, that's weird. Or, or a bald monkey. A, a yeah. Spray-painted black. Yeah, it's like a... Yes, exactly. Doesn't, he, it doesn't really look alien in nature. He looks more like a... Maybe an Egyptian type of thing. Which would make sense, I guess, with all the pyramids and stuff when they were blowing up the planets and stuff. Or blowing up all the soldiers. I don't know. What am I? Anyway, it's pretty cool over here. And then they have some weapons over on the wall here that are pretty awesome looking too. What, what do you think about the costumes? I love all the costumes. I love the uh, Imperius Leader probably the best. I remember that because of the voice of Count Ebley and he does the yeah. voiceover work for uh, the beginning of the episode. Yep. Now right. those yeah. far, far out there. We have <laughs> brothers and sisters fighting, you know. That's good stuff right there. He's a, a rag. Oh, and then uh, Lauren Green did the ragtag Fugitive Fleet. 
And then uh, then we went over and uh, Daryl took pictures of the two different um, helmets that they have for the uh, for the uh, Colonial Warriors, one from the old series and one from the new series that they have in a display case. Pretty cool looking. And in the background, they have these video screens that you can watch where they're just talking about all the different um, aspects of the program, behind-the-scenes stuff, and some of the ways they did some of the special effects and so on. Pretty cool. Okay, now we're downstairs at the Sci-Fi Museum, and we're watching this really cool interactive um, display of all the different sci-fi spaceships over the years in different uh, types of movies. And uh, Jeremy, what do you think of the, uh, the display here? Do you like do you like what you're looking at? Yeah, and I and I want to choose another one. What kind of sh what ship do you like the best out of all of them? I'm trying to go to the next one right now. It's a Star Wars ship, isn't it? No, this one is not a oh, Star Wars. Oh, it's not a Star Wars ship, huh? Okay. All right, he's he's busy having fun looking at this. Daryl, what, what do you like about downstairs here at the Sci-Fi Museum? Everything. <laughs> you you were just. Um, looking at some of the props they have for Star Trek and commenting on the fact that a couple of them aren't actual authentic. Yeah, I like it when they say that they're reproductions, so they're being honest, and so I'm always critical about every little thing, and I, I know what to look for to determine if something from original Star Trek is real or reproduction. So and out of the, the many that they have here, are there any real ones? Yeah, I think the tricorder is real, and I think the medical scanner is real. I haven't looked at everything yet, but those are the two that stick out as being real. And I think a lot of them are reproductions. Well, it's pretty cool. Uh, a couple, few years ago when I was here, there was actually more stuff on display. Uh, they've, they've narrowed it down to two floors instead of three. They don't have as, quite as much Star Trek stuff as they did, but that could have been a touring thing. I don't know at the time. But uh, anyway, this is a pretty cool uh, downstairs um, we're going to go look at the Death Star, Planet of the Apes uh, figures, and Yoda's over here somewhere, so it should be fun. So there you go, everybody. That's our report from the, uh, the Sci-Fi Museum, Battlestar Galactica exhibit here at the uh, Seattle Sci-Fi Museum. And I uh, hope everybody enjoyed the report. Back to you, Rico. Well, there you go. I hope you enjoyed that report. Of course, Rico is uh, on hiatus a little bit here for his birthday weekend back at home. And I'm Rick Moyer, filling in for him. I'm the host of Take Him With You, a podcast that my wife Amy and I do together. Uh, we were inspired to do podcasting through the Treks and Sci-Fi podcasts, this very podcast that you're listening to. A lot of fun, great and informative things of all things geeky. Yeah, pretty exciting. So anyway, if you uh, get a chance to be up in the Seattle area uh, all the way until March of 2000, um, 11, I believe, they're going to have the display. So you can uh, go see the Battlestar Galactica display. They've got a Mark II Viper, Mark VII Viper. The one thing that I was a little bit disappointed in is they, they didn't have a Cylon. They had a Cylon Raider uh, from the new series, but they did not have an actual, you know, the old school Cylon, which would have been really cool to see. I, I've always kind of wanted to see one of those in person. But uh, they did not have that. But they had many other things that were well worth, I think, the price of admission. I know the Sci-Fi Museum, if you've never been to it before, um, it can be kind of spendy. But I thought it was really, really cool. If you've already been, it's it's a little spendy then to spend the money again on it. But the Battlestar Galactica exhibit was worth every penny to me. I really, really enjoyed it. And it was, of course, very fun to meet some folks from the forum, Daryl and M5. 
you guys are great. Mark, you were a lot of fun. Daryl, you're a lot of fun. Your kids are great. And uh, we had a great time. And it was fun to have Amy there, too, even though she's not as a, much of a geek person as me. She puts up with me. And it was fun to see all the different props. I think my favorite thing in the entire display was the old school Battlestar Galactica. It was really, really cool looking. I know it wasn't an original, but it was just, it was awesome just to be up close to it and to look at it and had a lot of memories associated with it. So it was a lot of fun. So I hope you enjoyed our report from the uh, Sci-Fi Museum in Seattle at the Experience Music Project. And now what you've all been waiting for. Here's this week's Star Trek episode on Treks in Sci-Fi. Stardate 429-23.4. Despite misgivings, I have agreed to Starfleet's request that the Enterprise divert to the Brasilota system to take part in a war game exercise. Joining us as observer and mediator is the Zakdorn master strategist, Sirna Kalrami. And what a cool character this guy is. A great character actor. We'll find out a little bit more about him later, but... They did a great job on Mr. his makeup. Kalrami, Captain Jean-Luc Picard, welcome aboard. Captain, I bring you greetings from those at Starfleet Command. Almost you looks a little bit like a Dune character. Require little rest, Captain. I prefer that we commence with our mission. <clears throat> he sits right down in the uh, chair at, at, in the observation lounge. This wants to get to business. Not to Worf's not impressed warrior. with him because he doesn't look like a warrior. Military brinksmanship, individual physical prowess is less important than the perception of a species as a whole. For over nine millennia, potential foes have regarded the Zakdorns as having the greatest innately strategic minds in the galaxy. So no one is willing to test that perception in combat. Exactly. Which brings up a good point. Um, you can look whatever you want to look like if nobody's going to uh, ever challenge you as long as they are scared of you i guess so what this um zach dorn master here is gonna do kalrami is he is on board to help out the enterprise get ready to face the borg and have some more tactical advantage and link the system with the modified laser pulse beam so they're going to play war games with an old starship called the Hathaway that's orbiting a planet. Shutting down the affected areas for the appropriate repair time. Additional questions? Captain Picard, it is my understanding that you initially resisted Starfleet's request for this simulation. Yes. I thought this was an interesting plot point that he resisted this this whole thing about Starfleet wanting them to do war games because he didn't feel like it was a warship. He thought it was more of a of a um, a ship that discovers things, and um, I don't know. It went back and forth. It, it was a little bit unclear on how that all worked out, but apparently he Picard opposed it but then decided to go along with it after all. Really interesting. That what they're going to do is they're going to disable the phasers and the weapons and do them computer-wise, and then the computer will shut down the ship's systems for repair time according to what the simulated damage does for them. I thought that was interesting. That's kind of cool. 
reminds me of the the original episode of the original series when um, the the planet was playing games, war games back and forth, and then people would report to those chambers to to die. Of course, this one isn't as extreme. They're not going to do that to them. Okay, so this is um, in the second season. I believe it's the um, the the twenty first episode. I'm not sure. There's quite a few, or the, no, the forty sixth episode out of one hundred and seventy six of them. And uh, it was written by David Kemper and directed by Robert Shearer. And, of course, we've got these uh, fun guys that... Uh, with the, the, the wonderful character of um, Serna Kalrami. He is just really, really fun. Um, let's see who the actor is who plays him. Because he was just... They just did a great job with him. Uh, played by a, guy, by a guy named Roy Brocksmith. And he really does a, a wonderful job as an arrogant um, guy that that knows you know all sorts of strategy, and he's just he it's just does a great job. He also was uh, in Deep Space Nine later on, on the the episode Indiscretion, and he played a guy on there as well. So he, he's a pretty good guy, and and I really liked his acting ability. I really enjoy the whole idea that they come up with this game of Stratagema, which we're going to see in a while, where they play a game. Um, of strategy against their opponent by hooking up these things that look like spark plug uh, wires to their fingers and then flicking them and somehow or some way they they work on a board that looks kind of like a risk board and they take over different territories so you're going to see that in a little bit here or hear that in a little bit so here we go here's the episode getting into it now called peak performance On my ship, leader of an away team has total control of the mission. If you want to judge leadership, why not start at the beginning? Very well. Captain. Mm. <laughs> my, what a charm. Here we are. We have uh, Dr. Pulaski. Not everybody so likes Dr. Pulaski very much, but I do. I think I really liked her. Seldom is it undeserved. She's, of course, is the doctor during the second season when Gates McFadden was not around. Of course, they brought the doctor back later, but uh, we don't hear much about Dr. Pulaski after she makes her second season appearance. I liked her. A lot of people uh, compare her to the Bones character on the original series, and that's why I liked Pulaski. I thought she was great. Anticipating the worst. Do you think they can be whipped into shape in 48 hours? Now, Riker is going to go around, and he's going to try and recruit a bunch of the crew to be on his 40-team member um, crew over on the Hathaway. He's Riker will be in command. Now, we flip to a scene here with Worf, who is... Somehow, he's building a, 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 a wooden ship, and he breaks the mast when the doorbell chimes. Am I disturbing you? Just finished. I love his no, lines. Simulation. What do you think? Waste of time. It's just designed to be an exercise. Useless. If there is nothing to lose, no sacrifice, then there is nothing to gain. 
This is interesting that um, Worf is giving his take on what he thinks of war games. Doesn't like them. Even though he himself plays these these really crazy games on the holodeck to fine-tune his skills, so it doesn't really make sense that he doesn't like war games. Famous line. Guile. <laughs> Join me. Guile. And you can the see the relationship now forming between Riker and Worf. During the second season, the relationships got a lot stronger. They weren't just standalone episodes. They were, they were more arcs going on, and the relationships were improving among the, the crew. It's complete, but I would like to request an addition. Anyone in particular? With your permission, I would like Acting Ensign Crusher on board for wow. educational observation. Riker picks uh, Crusher to help him. It's a big honor, and obviously Wesley is flattered by that. And now Riker's going to talk to Kalarami. Reaching for Oslota. I was wondering if you'd agree to play me in a game of stratagema. Although I'm intrigued by the audacity of your request, I can't fathom why you would wish the I enjoy a challenge. Very well. An opponent of limited dimensions can often be quite diverting. Ooh, slam by Kalrami there on Riker. Thank you. He's obviously very arrogant, and he's going to play. He's going to go ahead. And he, um, Riker challenged him to a game of call, so, um, Stratagema. Nope. Well, then it's going to be a close one. Nope. But you have got a chance. Ah. Are you even going to bother to show up? Sure. Kalrami is the best ever at Stratagema. Just to get to play him is a privilege. So aside from your being privileged, is there anything else I can look forward to? Nope. This is going to be exciting. <laughs> so Riker's going to play him in front of his crew for the honor of the ship, I guess. Okay, now they put this... This is so funny. It looks like a a bunch of spark plug wires, and Worf's putting them on Riker. Deanna put them on... Kalrami. It's a square board that will light up. Worf is is hilarious. He's bet on Riker now. He's going to win some money that they don't actually have in the Federation. So whatever. This urge to compete. What's a human response? That inborn craving to gauge your capabilities through conflict. Doctor, there are other ways to challenge oneself. Well, perhaps, but they all lack a certain thrill. Data, humans sometimes find it helpful to have an outsider set the standard by which they're judged. And this sets up the whole oneself. subplot of the of the uh, episode. Maybe you should challenge Kolrami to Stratagema. To see if Why, Data, a machine... Because when someone is that smug, you occasionally have to deflate them. Just Can to... compete yeah. against Kalrami, like who is the best at Stratagema. To what end? And all of his crewmates are like, yeah, we should have Data play him, not Riker. And here we go. Ready? Here we go. And the game is on. Come on, Commander. Come on now. You can do it. It's a cool little holographic, pretty cool special effects for the day. And just like that, the game's over. And Riker loses. That's it? I'm afraid so. But you only made 23 moves. Congratulations. Oh, man. 
And he's arrogant, man. He's just happy that he did that. And uh, Pulaski is, of course, what? You didn't last that long? What's the deal? Yeah, well, I didn't see you playing Pulaski. There's your next challenge. Now they come upon the planet, and there it is, the Hathaway. Looks a lot like the Stargazer. Picard's old ship. Good luck, number one. If you look in the background, the security officer is the guy that played Aaron on 24 way later in life. A young, a young Aaron. It's kind of neat to see him as a young man on the show. Now this was just, this This is the part that I loved about this episode. We get to see a, another starship. And, and uh, it's just fantastic, the things that they did with this. And this is actually the bridge of the Enterprise on um, on one of the movie sets. Can't remember which movie it was, but that's what they used for this. And they took it and you know put Not good. cloths over uh, the Warf, some of the equipment and put and some debris ours. around, hung some things from the ceiling, and made it the Hathaway's bridge. And they're all looking at the different stations, wondering how they're going to make this work for the next two days. Sir. Lieutenant LaForge is a superior officer. The honor should be his. Now they're discussing command structure, but, you know, when I saw this episode for the first time, I think when they when they show bridges of other ships, I love that. I don't know why, but I just love seeing the inside of other bridges and the gizmos and the gadgets that they have on them. It's fun to see Riker sit in the captain's seat, and uh, they're just, you know, looking at the potential of what this could be. Now he Attention crew hails the, the crew. Hathaway. This is your captain. Also like this shot here. When days, when Riker says this is your captain, if you look in the blurriness of the of the scene, both Jordy and we'll Wesley look up and smile because they think it's cool that Riker's the captain. Just like I thought it was cool. Riker out. He gives him a little pep talk and says, Okay, we're gonna try to make the best out of it, you guys. Let's do this. Now they're down in engineering, and this is really a great scene as well. Um Jordy's brought a little bit of a of a a goodie bag of things or a, a kit to see if we can work them some things out. He turns on the power to engineering, and they're going to check out and see: Do they have warp capability? Can they can they make this ship um, agile in space? And of course, he's got uh, Wesley with him because Wesley is the brainchild. That was a great great shots. You you hear the. Uh, Power up of the the Hathaway. You see the blue lights come on, and the lights hit the Hathaway um, logo on the top of the top of the ship. That's just a great shot. I love that kind of stuff. And the special effects sounds are cool. There are only a few dilithium fragments left in the holding clamps. Even if we had crystals that were intact, there's no antimatter to fuel the drive. This was interesting to see see the inside of the the dilithium crystal chamber that we've seen on the Enterprise. Now like we got to see it on the Hathaway. The no, sir. And of course, um, Wes. Wesley Remember says something negative, and and Riker corrects him. Open. Now here's a very awkward scene, but but I fun nonetheless. The rules are understood by all. Weapons conversion, Lieutenant Buck. Complete, Captain. Signal received. Locked on. She's really been stripped down, Captain. The only offensive systems you'll need will be simulated by computer. What's the Zach Dornian word for mismatch? 
Challenge. We do not whine about the inequities of life. And how you perform in a mismatch is precisely what is of interest to Starfleet. Very, all, very interesting. In Kalrami obviously has a problem with Riker. And with Kalrami being very um, arrogant and confident in himself, he's not very happy with... Uh, with Riker. Dr. Pulaski informed me of your desire to play a game of strategy. Say what? Dr. Pulaski goes behind Data's back and challenges Kalrami to a game of strategy. never have asked you himself, but I know that he's very interested in pitting his skill against yours. This is funny. Play against the machine. Why should I wish to? I don't blame you. It's no fun going into a game when you know you're going to lose. But I wouldn't lose. Now you're no doubt going to tell me that I have to prove it to you. This is a, such a well-written episode. Pass? Indeed, I. And now you know Pulaski has got her face or her back turned then to Kolrami and begging Data, please play him. The so they're going to play the for the honor of the ship. It's your reputation that's on the line. Data's not sure about all this. He doesn't. He doesn't know why. Would you want me to? But he's going to do it anyway because he's going to learn a little bit more about humanity. Enterprise's security override. Back on the Hathaway. We may be able to convince the sensors that an enemy ship is approaching. We have a perky ensign here that. Uh, lie to them. If you can pull that off, Mr. Worf, you might give us the edge we're looking for. It's kind of watching. But what about the view screen? If I am successful, the computer will project a false image of the enemy ship on the Worf, main what screen. a great bag of tricks he so has. I didn't know he could do that. And looks out. They're going to fall for it. We don't ever see that incident again, but uh, now we're back and Jordy's working on the dilithium crystal chamber. He's pretty pretty frustrated because he doesn't think he can get warp speed. still smooth. We should be able to do something with these dilithium a very unique perspective on this shot because we're actually looking from the other side of the crystal chamber you wouldn't normally see it this way and, and uh, this was the first that I'd ever seen it that way Jordy has this cool little curling iron that lights up they use that in several different things in the hair salon and other places on the Enterprise it looks like a where am I going to get the opti-cable I love this part. Worf pulls a big bunch of opti cable out of the ceiling. When the ensign asks, "Where am I going to get the opti cable?" he pulls it out of the ceiling and says, "Anywhere." Hands Captain, it to her. <laughs> I left an experiment running back on the Enterprise. May I go back and shut it down? What, Wesley? Is that important? Well, it has to be monitored, and it is my final grade in plasma physics. Uh oh. Message what? from the Hathaway, sir. On screen. Request permission for Ensign Crusher to reboard the Enterprise. Why? Apparently he was so anxious to join the away team he left the very critical experiment unattended. Again, a great shot of seeing Riker on the bridge of a different ship. It just no this really looks nice. Save his research. Okay, now Wesley has been given permission to come and and check on one of his experiments he's doing for school. I saw no sense in Riker choosing him anyway. They let the security officer of the president from 24 go and... Uh, Lieutenant I Burke, I believe. About this. It's a good lesson not to let excitement cloud your judgment. Yeah. Wesley, little liar boy. Delicate. I spent six weeks setting this up. It's a lot of work. 
They make the security officer here Sir, very um, impatient. Bad. He doesn't want to really Look, be there. Uh, is this going to take much longer? I'm going to have to dispose of this safely. This I, th- I don't think that a security... I think a security officer would have watched a little more intently and not, and leave apart, not act like That's he was fine. bugged. Let's just do it. All right, I'll transfer the coordinates to the transporter. And then, of course, we see a little smirk on Wesley's face because he just he's getting away with sending this experiment over to the Hathaway. This is a really cool scene, too. I loved how they did this. Uh, Jordy's working on something. The experiment beams on to the to the engineering section, and then just as it materializes, I, that, what a wonderful touch! They tipped it over, just like it, you know, its balance was as it as it uh, beamed in. Its balance was done to the right, and then it falls to the right. Really great, great shot. Subtle, but really cool. Okay, now we're back, and uh, Data is going to play Stratagemo with Kalrami. In her own way, Dr. Pulaski was instructing me to take the shortest route to victory. little pep talk with Data before he plays the game. Deanna has got them all set up with the spark plug wires. And Anson Burke, or Lieutenant Burke, is there. Oh, and here they go. And they're playing, and we've got the three cool holographic squares up, and they're all filling with different colors. Boy, they're really going for it. They seem very, very intent. And oh my goodness, Kalrami wins. I can't believe it. A computer beaten by flesh and blood? You oh, and Kalrami is so proud of himself. Thoroughly enjoyable, Mr. Data. I am at your disposal for a rematch. Oh, he Thank says you. he's at but his disposal for a rematch. I love that line. How can you lose? <laughs> You're supposed to be infallible. Pulaski's not happy. Obviously, I am not. Which starts a cascading effect in Data. What if he's damaged? And he really has to think about that. This is a really good, Hanson, good episode. Commander Data. He has temporarily removed himself from bridge duty, sir. Your crew is excellently trained, Captain. A tribute to your leadership. And now, I doubt their extensive preparation will be needed. Kalrami just rubs it in. I do not expect Captain Riker will present much of a challenge. Mr. Kalrami, may I speak with you in private? All right, but you know when Picard wants to speak to you in private, he's had enough. So they go into the ready room, and he's going to confront him. I like that about Picard. He doesn't do everything in front of everyone. He he takes them aside. Doesn't punish everybody for the. Mr. Kalrami, you have been nothing but denigrating and abusive of Commander Riker since coming aboard this ship. Now I would like some explanation. This is really fascinating. Having studied William Riker's file prior to this assignment, I have found him wanting. In what regard? His work record is exemplary. But, as you know, a starship captain is not manufactured. He or she is born from from inside, from the character of the individual. My interviews have revealed a man who displays circumstantially inappropriate joviality, belying the seriousness of his station. So Karami doesn't really like Riker much. Confuse. Style with intent. 
This is what I like about Picard. Only a fool would question Commander Riker's dedication to Starfleet and the men and women under his command. He is simply the finest officer with whom I have ever served. We shall see if your faith is well founded. The test is whether the crew will follow where Commander Riker leads. His, his joviality is the means by which he creates. This scene alone shows off the acting skills of these two actors. They're so good. Here it is, a, a science fiction TV series, and you know a lot of series to have poorly written lines. These were just written so well, Come and in, they please. really make you think. Now we're back in Data's quarters, and Deanna's going to come try to be a counselor to Data and try to get him to rethink his position on things. That was going to be my question. With my repository of knowledge, I expected to perform better against a humanoid life form. You know, some of our greatest advances have come from analyzing failure. While it can be ego bruising... But, Counselor, <laughs> I do not have an ego. I love that. Yes. Oh, that's right. Now DM is well, well um, let me try this. A loss can be disheartening. But, Counselor, I do I not do have, have it. A... <laughs> I love that. You can handle defeat in two ways. You can lose confidence or you can learn from your mistakes. That is what troubles me. I made no mistakes. I have conducted a diagnostic check of all of my programs. I am now cross-checking with the ship's computer. Is that all necessary? I believe so. I have proven to be vulnerable. Really interesting life time, lesson here. My deductions should be treated. And Picard says one of the most so profound things over Star page. Trek's history. Yes. When he comes to talk the to him. Would be but that's later. To rely we'll get there. On my judgment. I think you're overreacting. I'm sure you're all right. I, however, am not sure. So what do you do in a situation where you've done everything perfectly? But you still lose. Does that make you defective? And that's Data's question, and Deanna couldn't get through to him. Yeah. Okay, so we're back on the Hathaway now, and Wesley's taking his experiment and put it in the dilithium crystal chamber, and they're hooking it up. And this is another interesting scene, I thought. What is that? My experiment from the Enterprise. Wes? It deals with high-energy plasma reactions. With antimatter. You went back to the Enterprise for that? Wes, you cheated. No, sir. You told me to improvise. Very interesting. The hard part is going to be calibrating so the thermal he really did cheat. He wasn't supposed to do that. But then, then he excuses it as, you told me to improvise. So I guess it's okay to break the rules to improvise. And Riker doesn't call him on. In fact, he smiles. He says, well, we might be able to use this to actually go to warp for a couple seconds. This could be cool. We plan to channel the reaction through the chips. Are we good? You're better than good. Great. Brilliant. It's going to be fun. Carry on. Oh, my goodness. So now the games are about to begin. Come in, please. Now Pulaski's going to come in. Dr. Pulaski's going to come in. And try to uh, get data to get How back on duty. How long are you going to sit sulking like Achilles in his tent? I'm conducting diagnostics. You may be able to sell Troy that story, but not me. And you're smarting because you were beaten. Well, it happens. No, Doctor. This is not about ego. I'm concerned about giving the captain unsound advice. 
I wish I had never maneuvered you into playing that game. Yeah, well, that's what you get, Dr. Pulaski. Why, Doctor? It is done, and perhaps just as well. This has indicated that I am damaged in some fashion. She did, she did not gamble on the fact that Data would react so strongly. She thought he would win, and he didn't. So she doesn't make any headway with him. He won't go back to work. So now they're going to go tattle. Eventually, they're going to tattle to uh, Picard. Make Picard go talk to him. We're back we'll on the Hathaway again. For about just under two seconds. That's not long enough for an escape. But used as a surprise, it may give a strategic advantage. Sir, all of this is theoretical. And if your theory fails to pay off? Have you ever driven a Grantham and water hopper? Sure. You ever popped the clutch? You're saying we're going to stall the Hathaway? And the I've never driven one of those. I have popped a clutch or two in my time. And so now we get the element of, oh no, we could be in a whole bunch of trouble here if we don't do this right. Great shots, by the way, of the outside of the Hathaway with the Enterprise in front of it. It's just... Really neat to see these. Try to understand. Okay, here they're tattling some data. Commander Data is suffering from <laughs> a profound loss of confidence, and that you believe that only I can restore the balance. Yes, sir. Both Deanna and I have tried, but we're not getting through to it. That's a little writer's uh, trick there. So they don't have to do the backstory. He, he said it himself. So you say that the effects are the Only same. I can Whether they're caused by make human emotions or android algorithms. Data's not on the bridge, and I don't think Data's going to be on the bridge until we find some way to address his problem. Picard is annoyed. Away from a battle simulation, and I have to handhold an android. <laughs> I love Birds this. Of command. <laughs> Pulaski's never nice to Picard. <laughs> And here comes the, one of the best scenes in Star Trek history, I Come think. Because it really is a life lesson. Commander, I require your presence on the bridge. Captain, with all due respect, perhaps it would be better if you choose another to serve as your first officer. Data, you are my first officer. I have not been able to isolate the problem, sir. I might make a mistake. Yes, you might. But that does not alter your duty to me and to this ship. Now, do you know how to formulate a premise? <laughs> yes, sir. Then formulate this one. How Go do I deal with Commander Riker and the Hathaway? I want to wait your answer on the bridge. And here comes the line. And Commander, it is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. That is not a weakness. That is life. Wow. That is profound. I believe I understand, sir. That is absolutely profound. It is possible to do everything right, make no mistakes, and still lose. That's just called life. It happens. I just, wow, that is just really, really a great, that's the moral of this whole, I have several this whole episode. Battle technique. Now here, now this scene I didn't really like that much, and because it didn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't know who wrote, or I, I guess I, we do know who wrote it, but it, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But here we go. Deanna and uh, and Data are talking about Commander Riker and what they know about it. Now listen to this. And from these specifics, what general conclusion can you extrapolate? Only twenty-one percent of the time does he rely on traditional tactics. So, the captain must be prepared for unusual cunning. Counselor, 
Commander Riker will assume we have made this analysis, and knowing that we know his methods, he will alter them. But <laughs> knowing that he knows that we know that he knows, he's got his Sherlock he Holmes to to his usual um, pattern. Wait, accent going. Wait. You're overanalyzing data. One cannot deny human nature. Here's where I don't I don't get this. What part. kind of a man is Commander Riker? A fighter? Yes. The weaker his position, the more aggressive will be his posture. And he won't give up. Then despite whatever options he has given, he must be the man that he is, exactly. <laughs> like what? <laughs> Instead of failing in humans. You'll have to decide that for yourself. That's very coy of you, Deanna. And so now, Data is faced to... What is Commander Riker's character? At least that was cool, Bart, of that scene. Okay, here we go. The games are about to begin. Love the music in this episode, too. number one. We're ready. Just remember, Enterprise... Captain Riker's never lost. Begin now. They push the button, and here they go. Set course, 223, mark 357. Full impulse power, initiate Kuma maneuver. Great shot of uh, Michael cool. Okuda's work here. Why would they start out with such a recognizable On the floor? screen. He's teasing. He wants us to reveal our... He does all the computer terms. stuff Mr. for Warren. them. Counter with the Tulupian maneuver on instrument sighting. Agreed. Three-quarter impulse, full on my command. It's a Nagel Really fun to see Mr. Riker and his crew. Prepare your little surprise. Isa. On the bridge of the Ten Hathaway. B17. This Mark. is funny. 73. Present minimal aspect. When Ready walk one. Optimal spread on simulated torpedoes. Lieutenant Burke says something that's kind of out of character, but it's funny. Captain Romulan warship approaching fast from astern. What the? He came out of nowhere, sir. Brings about uh -oh. maximum shields. Full weapon systems. Disengage. Modified. Lock on. Open a hailing frequency. I can't, sir. There's nothing there. So Riker and Worf did the old Romulan ruse on them. Re-engage. Modified B. How cool is that? He's quite good. He's the best. So they made they made a ship appear on the uh, the screen that wasn't really there. How did he do that? Mr. Wolf must have overridden the sensor codes, played some holographic games. Mr. So now they're going to change the code so Worf can't do that again to them. Attack posture. Picard Set is not happy. He's ticked. Prepare beams. A photon mode. Oh, now they're going to volley some photon beams over there. Bye-bye, Hathaway. There. <laughs> We're trying to break it. Bye-bye, Hathaway. The Enterprise. They're moving off, sir. Why not go after them? Because they're not through coming after us. Wesley, Jordy, prepare warp jump. There are no guarantees here, sir. There never are, Lieutenant. I'm going to trust your expertise. I Security love this stations. part. Stand so, by for my signal. So fun. They're going to try to do the warp jump. Torpedoes. Captain, sensors picking up a Ferengi warship closing at warp 5. Did you input that new code? Uh-oh. The boy who cried wolf. They're not believing Mr. that wolf. this could actually be the Ferengi. you enough credit. Continue the simulation. Uh-oh. The Enterprise is being attacked. That's no ghost attacking the Enterprise. That's real. We must assist, sir. What? Perky Ensign again. 
Where are my weapons? Stating the obvious. Sir, we cannot disengage the modified beams and connections. And of course they can't put the real weapons back online. Of course they can't. This is Star Trek. We must retreat. Unacceptable. The Ferengi have broken off their attack. Drop shields, transport the away team aboard. Transporter functions gone, sir. Of Shield course they are. To one-fifth intensity. Use their moment of indecision to escape. I have 40 crew members on board the Hathaway. Who should be sacrificed to save a thousand. Acceptable tactical losses considering the circumstances. Cal Rami is, is really Notify not sir. a very nice guy, is he? He may be wonderful strategist, but he's not very loyal to the crew that's over on the Hathaway. He wants to leave them so they can just be whatever by the Ferengi. Ferengi on main view screen. Rami's not happy with Picard. I am Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship, USS Enterprise. Why have you attacked my vessel? Why was your ship combative with another Federation vessel of lesser design? Why do you now protect your former target? What Uh-oh. is its value to you? Our probes indicate you were aware of our approach yet took no action. A Ferengi Marauder creature. We have refrained from launching a counterattack in the hope that this can be resolved peacefully. Our probes indicate that you are crippled. And the ship you protect has no weaponry, no light speed drive, and only a scarce crew. This makes no sense to us. Like this makes no sense to us. Valuable. I love Ferengis. Krikta. I don't know, but after watching this episode, I want to eat seafood because I hear things like, it sounds like crustaceans. Krikta and Kalrami sounds like calamari. You have Anybody want to eat seafood? Okay, so now the Ferengi say, "All right, listen. If you don't, if you don't get out of our way, we're blowing you apart. And we we want to know why you think this this Hathaway is such a great ship. What's the deal with it?" Data, our shields will not withstand another assault, sir. Then there are no options: retreat or die. Cal Rami, wow. There are no options. Again, great camera work. When you're watching this episode, lots of really cool fades and fades out and Captain focuses and stuff. Really, really Due well to a directed. Calculation on my part, the Enterprise has been subjected to a surprise attack by the Ferengi. Those old Zack myself with little time to decide the Pretty fate tough of, on everybody. of my crew stranded aboard the derelict Hathaway. I am open to suggestions, Captain. We are now capable of launching a limited number of photon Well, that's torpedoes. good. They finally got their Already limited amount of Captain, photon torpedoes ready. Commander Riker is hailing, sir. Okay, now we get Home to screen. see how do they put their heads together and work this out. Number one, have you been monitoring communications? Yes, sir. Kolrami's right. You've got to save the Enterprise. That would leave you defenseless. When Bractor closes in, we'll hit our warp drive and take our chances. The what? We have a limited two-second warp capability. Impossible. That ship was rendered warp inactive. I told you he was the best. I'd like to hear more about So once again, one. Wesley Data. saves the day with right his now, experiment. Right I have to work something out with Mr. Data. Premise. The Ferengi wish to capture the Hathaway, believing it to be of value. Therefore, we must remove the ship from their field of interest. And they will soon relocate it after a two-second warp. There is a way. 
Number one, can you hear this? Yes, sir. We're all here. Waiting for you to pull another rabbit out of your hat. Mr. Baker. Great scene again. On the the, command, just the, on the, the bridge of the Hathaway is just fascinating. Hathaway. One millisecond after its detonation, the computer will trigger your warp jump. I think I hate this plan. Data, we're not even sure our warp jump... I remember when we'd sit around in the conference the room at work and uh, the result could be strategize on different things, and it's so fun to watch the crew we will be dead. in... Uh, Captain Riker. on the both ships talking back and forth about what, the what they're going to do. Nobody said life was safe. The advantage is that it will appear from the creature's perspective as though... As though you were destroyed in the explosion. So that's what they're going to do. They're going to fire some photon torpedoes at the Hathaway. The Hathaway is going to put it into warp and get out of the way quick enough for the explosions to happen. And hopefully they'll fool the Ferengi into thinking that they blew up the ship. And then the Ferengis hopefully will disappear and go away. We'll see. Data, that's the one part of this plan that we're all absolutely sure about. So now the pressure's on. Will the Hathaway really go to warp or not? Because if it doesn't, the photon torpedoes will destroy them. Ready, Captain. Ready, Captain. Here we go. Good luck to both of you. Ractor. First time I watched this, I was on the edge of my seat. This is cool. What a cool scenario. You needn't. The answer is no. Your actions have been wholly criminal. You will not profit by them. Card, such great actor to the Ferengi. How can you stop us? You believe the Hathaway has value? We deny you your prize. Fire! Wow. Well, there they're gone. Destroy your own rather than suffer the ignominy of defeat and capture. Not think the Federation had such iron. That's had such no iron. On that vessel. It was ours to destroy. <laughs> you are ours to destroy. Then try. Enterprise targeted, Nita. Nita, there is another Federation ship closing. A starship. So now they're using the same ruse they did on the Enterprise. The Hathaway's doing it to the Ferengi ship. I wonder how they got the Ferengi ship's codes. Uh Captain, our sensors show no Federation starship nearby. That's just Your a plot hole. That was Klingon Guile. You made it, number one. Smooth ride. Well, certainly was different. They we pulled that rabbit out of the hat, didn't they? With pleasure, Captain. Oh, and Picard now looks at Kalrami. See, Riker uh, uh, rocks, dude. I must admit, your commander Riker uh, uh, acquitted himself quite admirably. This episode is a is is a great episode in the faith the crew has in each other and how much they enjoy working together, and how they trust one another that they overcome adversity together. It's a really good episode. Continue repairs. calls for the nearest starbase. And you think the episode is over, but there's one last scene. Supplemental with the transporter repaired and my crew safely back aboard. We have officially ended our first Starfleet battle simulation. And now we go into 10 forward. 
and Data is challenging a rematch with Kalrami of Stratagema, and they're playing furiously. All sorts of different colors. It looks like they're about even, and they just keep going and going and going. Kalrami's upset. Data just keeps staring straight ahead, and they just keep going and going. The music swells. Their spark plug wires are furiously going at it. Great, great scene. And then finally, Kalrami just throws down his... Because this is not a rematch. You have made a mockery of me. Interesting. Kalrami storms off, ticked off. No, sir. It is a stalemate. No game of Stratagema has ever gone this high. What did you do? I simply altered my premise for playing the game. Fascinating. Working under the assumption that Kolrami was attempting to win, it is reasonable to assume that he expected me to play for the same goal. You didn't? No. I was playing for a standoff, a draw. While Kolrami was dedicated to winning, I was able to pass up obvious avenues of advancement and settle for a balance. Theoretically, I should be able to challenge him indefinitely. Then you have beaten him. It is a matter of perspective, Doctor. In the strictest sense, I did not win. Data. I busted him up. Yeah. <laughs> Data, a little bit more human, isn't he now? Okay, there you go. That's the, the episode peak performance. Really, really great conclusion. He altered his whole... Instead of being so competitive, he decided to just try and... and uh, match him and as a result of it it was a stalemate and Kalrami gave up because he was frustrated so there you go what a great episode so many good things I could say about it already did say a lot of things that I really enjoyed really liked the way it was directed it was fun to see the bridge of the Hathaway really great to see the character development and the camaraderie of the crew and uh, just a lot a lot of fun so we've got a whole bunch of great listener comments that people have sent in for this episode. So why don't we take a listen to some of them because uh, I think they're really, really good. Uh, let's take a listen to the very first one um, from Richard Pete, uh, our friend Rick Pete on the forums. So Rick, take it away. Hello, this is Rick Pete, or Rick Pete on the forums. And uh, I wanted to send in my little comments on the episode Peak Performance for uh, TNG. Uh, it, was a rare, it was actually aired on uh, July 10th of 1989. It was the 47th episode of TNG. And Robert Shearer was the director, who actually um, directed an episode earlier in this same second season called The Measure of a Man uh, with Data. And overall, he, uh, he uh, directed 11 episodes for TNG. Actually, 10 episodes for TNG and one episode of DS9. So I really enjoyed this episode because it's it was in the second season where we started to gain some insights into Data. In this particular episode, we see him fail and later overcome, and we get to watch how he handles that. Uh, we also get to see a little of Riker's own skill as a leader, and we get to see the fierce loyalty and respect that Picard has for him. And this planted a seed which we get to see blossom when Riker is forced to deal with the Borg in the next season. I also appreciated the fact that Picard did not want to even host the war game because Starfleet is not a military organization. But in reality, 
isn't Starfleet a military organization? I mean, it had a strong scientific research and exploration mandate, but it was a military organization who was tasked to protect the citizens of the Federation, right? So one thing I was not a great fan of in that season was Dr. Pulaski. I just felt she was a little put-offish for me, and I didn't like the way she treated Data at all. But in this episode, it seemed like she had started to see him as more of a shipmate. And I liked that she wanted Data to bust up Kolrami. That was great. And Data did bust him up at the end by playing towards a stalemate rather than trying to win. The look on Data's face during that second game was priceless. He knew he was frustrating Kolrami, and I believe he took pride in the accomplishment. Emotions he has, whether he is aware of them or not. Just look at that smile on his face. Classic. I did have a couple of quibbles about this episode. Um, first, the first one would have to be the experiment that Wes brought over to the Hathaway. I mean, don't tell me that the officer initiating the beaming didn't know where those coordinates placed the device. And don't you have to modify that device to tell it for a wide spectrum and um, beaming so that it beams it into its component elements. I'm sure Wes didn't give him that instruction. And how is it that you can transport antimatter without the transporter operator knowing what was in the matter stream? I mean, this is antimatter, right? Which needs magnetic, you know, seals and all that kind of stuff. So, seriously? All right, my second quibble has to do with data. I find it hard to understand how Data could not have reviewed the game to analyze how his opponent applies strategy to win against him. I mean, he analyzed his performance from a diagnostic perspective in terms of what was wrong with his programs rather than looking at how his opponent chose to play the game. I would expect Data to have taken a much more comprehensive approach, which he did evidently when he you know, went back for the second game, but it took a while. Um, on a side note, I thought it was interesting that Armin Shimmerman, who played Quark in DS9, was the Ferengi Captain Braktor in this episode. He's played several different Ferengi before he settled into the role of Quark. So anyway, I think I'm pretty much done. Uh, Rick, thank you for reviewing this episode. You always do a great job, and I'm sure I'm going to enjoy this podcast when it's posted. So back to you, my friend. Thank you, Rick. It's so fun. We have so many Ricks on the forum that uh, it's hilarious. Uh, anyway, Rick Pete, thank you for your comments. Great points. I love the fact that you caught that uh, that Armin, I, I don't know how to say his last name, Shimmerins. I don't know. Anyway, it was cool to see Quark there in that role as the captain of the Ferengi vessel. So that, that was cool that you caught that. And yeah, I agree with you on, on some of your points. Interesting Interesting little factoids about uh, the program. Thanks so much for your comments, Rick. Really, really appreciate them. Okay, we got another comment now um, from Kenny from California. It talks a little bit about this episode. So let's take a listen to what he has to say. Hey, Rick, this is Kenny from California, and I just thought I would send you a quick little audio bite about the Next Generation episode Peak Performance. I actually enjoyed this episode, and I know I'm probably one of the very few people, but I so enjoyed Dr. Pulaski. I really enjoyed her character. I love her interaction with the other characters. 
I always thought she had a really good relationship with Picard. I loved them working off of each other. And uh, she had the same type of relationship with Data, which I always thought was really cool. And it kind of shows itself in this episode. And I don't know why I like her. I, I just, I like, you know, I know people compare her, oh, she's just a female version of Bones. Uh, but that's true. And maybe that's why I liked her so much is the fact that she was a female version of Bones. And I enjoyed Bones, so why wouldn't I enjoy Dr. Pulaski? And I loved her interaction. Uh, not that I didn't love Dr. Crusher, and of course, I, you know, when she came back, she was wonderful. Uh, but I but I always still have a, a nice soft spot for Dr. Pulaski, so it was really cool to see her uh, fairly prominent in this episode as well. And what I liked about this episode, you know, I mean, obviously it's, it's you know, they're worried about the Borg, and they're, you know, they're trying to strategize, and, and, and you know, of course, Picard and Riker are so anti-military that, you know, we're, uh, we're about exploration, and they're... But they were, you know, they reluctantly accept it and and do this really cool battle with the Hathaway, which is like an eighty-year-old relic starship. But you know, of course, Riker and LaForge and, and of course Crusher are very re- resourceful, and of course they come up with a way of getting antimatter and doing this really cool move that just blows everyone away. And uh, I, I like the fact that you know. Worf is really good. He he plays a trick on the Enterprise and pretends that there's a Romulan ship. And then when the real Ferengi come, you know, they think it's another Worf trick. And uh, I find that whole funny, you know, the whole situation funny. And of course, the Ferengi are in it for themselves. You know, they they say they're coming to the defense of this other ship that's way, you know, so underpowered compared to the Enterprise. Uh, but they have alternative motives. And I love uh, Picard's bluff about blowing it up. And, um, because it was just a fun episode, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't huge amounts of story, it didn't connect really to almost anything else in the storyline, it was just a standalone fun episode, and of course you have Data playing that game with, uh, oh, I can't remember his name, um, the strategist who comes aboard, and, you know, he goes to play him first off, and he loses like in two seconds, and, you know, Pulaski's just amazed that he lost so quickly, but then uh, when Data realizes if he stays one step ahead of him and doesn't play to win, just to, you know, a stalemate, that that's the way to go. Because this guy gets so frustrated, he finally quits and Data wins. So that was that was cool. So yeah, it was, a, it was a great episode. I'm so glad you're reviewing it, Rick. It is one of my favorites from Season 2. And um, I guess that's going to do it. So uh, take care and uh, I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much, Kenny. Those were great comments. And uh, I know you are a a lover of Star Trek, my friend. And uh, I love how you enjoy the next generation probably the best out of all. And I do, too. Uh, In fact, I think I played the episode that I played I got from you. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, But, yeah, agree with you. What a great episode in the second season and uh, very cool. Thanks for your comments, Kenny. Really appreciate it. Okay, we got some more comments, uh, this time from Feathers from the forum uh, from England. Take it away, Mike. Hey, Rick. Mike from London. Just got a couple of thoughts I want to share with you on the episode of Peak Performance you're looking at this week. First thing to say is it reminds me very much of the episode in the first season of TNG where we find the Stargazer. And due to the Ferengi's manipulations, Picard ends up trying to take on the Enterprise with it. Um, Not doing particularly well, I have to say, but then with a a beaten up half derelict old ship, what do you expect? Uh, The obvious parallel here being the, and I'm afraid I can't remember what its name is, but the ship that they bring in for the strategic exercise and Riker and, and the other guys take on. 
But the thing that really sticks in my mind with this episode and the sort of iconic image, if you like, is this strategic game that, that Data ends up playing with the Zakdorn guy and trying to take himself out of commission, effectively, because he, he can't win, or he doesn't win, at least, on the first time around. That's normally the image that I think people have used when publicising this episode, the guy with his, his fingers in the, in the control devices. And the only reason it sticks in my mind is, to be perfectly honest, it looks like what I imagine a milking machine to be. So you've got this alien guy with his fingers in a milking machine and you imagine off to one side you've got a great vat full of milk and, and somebody about to throw the switch and this guy's going to get sucked up the pipes and into the machine. So not real deep thinking on this one, as I say, just the, the, the humorous, or humorous to me at least, the humorous image that, that sticks in my mind when I think of it. So uh, look forward to hearing this one. hope uh, Rico's having a good... I assume he's going home for the weekend. I say a good day off, but if I was driving that far and then driving back again afterwards I'm not sure how enjoyable I find that, though I suspect your freeways are a little more open than our motorways where we're pretty much nose to tail all of the way these days. So thanks for taking on the empty slot, I'm sure you're going to do a good job, cheers. Thanks Mike uh, yeah I, 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 I laughed when I listened to your comment about the milking machine, I, I laughed and laughed that does look very similar to a milking machine My my wife is a daughter of a dairy farmer and so yes i i thought that very same thing i thought they looked like spark plug wires though as i stated and uh anyway i get a kick out of that thanks for your comments really really appreciate your insight you always have great things to say okay uh we have one more comment that we can share uh this is from tim from oregon and he's going to talk a little bit about the episode that we just covered called peak performance <laughs> Hello, Rico, or I'm sorry, Rick, and the Treks and Sci-Fi Forum. It's King Isaac Linkser here to talk about performance enhancement drugs. These are the voyages of the Starship What? What do you mean it's not about performance enhancement drugs? Are you are, are you kidding me? It says, you, you know what? You're fired. Go away. <clears throat> I'm sorry. It's a, about the TNG episode Peak Performance. And this is one of my favorite episodes, despite it being a season two episode. I really like this episode because it had everything. It had character development. It had fancy graphics and an interesting story. And best of all, ships shooting each other. I mean... That's what Star Trek's around, right? For ships shooting each other? Anyway, I digress. Now, there are a few things I kind of wanted to nitpick, and maybe, Rick, you can answer them. Um, or not. These are kind of questions, kind of not. So just go roll with me on this. You know, <clears throat> early on in the episode, I noticed that Data makes a statement about the Zakdonians being incredibly intelligent and never fought in battle before, yet, you know, you watch the episode and you you get to the whole confrontation with the, uh, the Ferengi, and suddenly they're like, we have to retreat, retreat is the only 
viable option. And I'm like, um, okay. I'm sorry, but any real strategist would have at least three or four moves they could attempt. Which kind of makes me think that they just make everyone think they're really intelligent, just so that they'll never attack them. As Worf said, their reputation really means nothing as it's never been tested in a life or death situation, and I think in that case, the Zakdonians would lose. You know, it's, it's interesting. One of the few nitpicks I had was the statement that these games were unnecessary to the founding of the Federation, and while that, that's kind of true, it also, you know, considering how many ships and people we blow up in the course of TNG and TOS alone, kind of makes that whole statement moot. I just thought I'd throw that out there. And that's not to say that this episode is bad by any stretch of the imagination, it is quite good. I like the fact that Data has a real growth as a character in this episode, and it's noticeable. And Pulaski is actually a, a rather likable character. I never actually really disliked her. She just wasn't my favorite compared to Crusher. And, of course, there are a bunch of Worf one-liners in here, and if you, Rick, or someone doesn't pull that audio, that's... nah. You, you gotta have it. And I really hope someone does. And I'm almost positive, but the captain of the Ferengi vessel is the same actor who played Quark, is it not? It's th I found it interesting that that guy was in involved in Star Trek as early as he was. I mean, I figured he just came on as Quark. If I'm wrong, I could certainly use the education on it. But, you know, it was nice to see ships shooting each other. It was nice to hear tactics. And, you know, it it's a good episode overall. And I like Data's solution at the end. It just, the coup de grace to knock him off his feet was just really entertaining to watch. You know, for this guy who goes from this big egotist in the beginning and basically gets crushed by the crew of the Enterprise is just sweet, sweet victory. Otherwise, this is a great episode and I'm glad you're reviewing it, Rick. I can't wait to listen to it. And uh, to Rico, you're doing a great job as always. So, for everyone else, live long and prosper. And this is King Isaac Lingser signing off. Thanks so much, Tim, for your comments. Okay, I'll answer some of them that I can. First off, um, they never said they were courageous. They were just good strategists. So, you know, I don't think they have. They weren't very brave. Um, yes, it was, as Worf would say, nice episode. And then, last but not least, about the Ferengi. Um, do you know that Armin was actually the very first Ferengi that we saw on the Next Generation uh, in the in the um, the episode where? Um, oh gosh, I should know this episode, the name of it, right off the top of my head because I really like it. Um, it's the one where uh, they beam down to the planet and they they're wearing the Ferengis wearing furs and have the light whips that they use as weapons. He's the uh, the very first Ferengi we ever meet is Armin. Um, so he was way back when, in the very first time that they did Ferengis, when uh, Diana could read their minds, even though later they said that their lobes, their brains were such as uh, Betazoids couldn't read their minds. Even That was a little plot inconsistency. But anyway, there you go. So thanks, Tim, for your comments. Again, great episode of Peak Performance. Really, really well done and uh, a lot of fun to cover.
Okay, that's about it for everything uh, this week. Really, really appreciate everybody's comments, and I hope you enjoyed the episode and our our, uh, little report from the Sci-Fi Museum. Uh, One thing I wanted to do before we got done with the podcast, though, is tomorrow is a very special day. If you're listening to this on Sunday, November 7th, tomorrow is the 8th of November, which happens to be Rico's birthday. It's true. It's the Big 50, Rico, and a bunch of us want to wish you a happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Rico. Happy birthday to you. The Big 50. Well, hello there, Rico. It's Tim here from sunny Shoreham-by-Sea on the south coast of England. I hear you are celebrating a very special day. It must be special, really, because I've had to unpack my microphone, undo my laptop, set up Audacity, make sure my audio settings are perfect to wish you a happy birthday. And let me tell you, sir, I don't set this up for anybody, you know. Oh, no. It must take me 10 minutes to set it up properly and pucker every time. You know, I don't do it for just any old Tom, Dick or Harry. In fact, the lovely lady Sarah once asked me to record a special song, special tune for my twin's birthday. And I said, no, 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 I'm not doing it. It's 10 minutes. 10 minutes I could be playing on my iPhone or my Android phone. But then a little mouse told me that you were celebrating your half century. And I thought, yes. Because, Rico, if it wasn't for you, I probably wouldn't be podcasting myself. And even though I don't grace the forums anymore, I want you to know that I do listen to you. And um, you've had, it's going to sound all slushy and sucky-uppy now, but you have had an effect on my life because it's down to you that I discovered my love of podcasting. So a very happy birthday to you, Rico. I love your show. It's awesome keep up the good work and uh here's to another 50 golden years thanks mate all the best i love you man take it easy a long time ago when dinosaurs roamed the earth you rico were born (laughs) happy 50th my man hey listen i hope you're having a great day for your birthday um and i just want to say thank you so much for all that you do for the great show every week that I look forward to. You're my training partner for many years now, and uh, I couldn't do it without you. And uh, obviously for the great community that you've built around the Trex and Sci-Fi Forum. So happy 50th, Rico, and many more. Happy 50th birthday to our Grand Admiral Rico, the Geekmeister of Trex and Sci-Fi. Rico, for more than three years, I have enjoyed your podcast. What I appreciate most is your honest love for Trek and sci-fi in general. As a fellow half-centurion Trek fan, it has been awesome to get to know you through the podcast, to share in the fun as a co-host with you, and meet so many like-minded friends on the forums. I think I can say that I speak for so many of us in thanking you for bringing this community together so we can share our common interests in all things geek, 
and to wish you much happiness as you continue to go where no one has gone before. As the Kolinar priestess once said, Diftor his Muzma Wiko. Live long and prosper. Happy 50th birthday, Rico. This is Meds from Waffle On Podcast and, of course, Hawkeye Meds on the Treks in Sci-Fi's forum. 50 years old. Congratulations, sir. You don't look a day older than 49. Uh, 50 years. Blimey. Uh, 8th of November, 1960. Well, of course, what happened on that day? John F. Kennedy became the 35th President of the United States of America. At only 43 years old. Youngest president uh, at that time. Um, obviously, only stayed in power for a few years. But there you go. And what was the musical numbers in 1960? Well, over here in England on the 8th of November, good old Elvis Presley was at number one in the charts with It's Now or Never. And in America, on your billboard chart, you had I Want to Be Wanted by Brenda Lee. Mm, I think we'll stick with Elvis Presley. Anyway, congratulations, Rico. Happy birthday, my friend. Have a fantastic day and night, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Rico, what is there to say on a day like today except happy birthday? Hi, this is Mike from London, just recording this quick message to wish you a happy birthday. Hope you had a good weekend. One year older and one year wiser is something we can all look forward to, so I hope you have a good time and look forward to hearing your voice again next week. Cheers. With a dose of care, making us geek smile everywhere. From England to Russia and all through the states. Hello, Rico. It's King Isaac Linkser wishing you a very happy 50th birthday. And wow, 50 years of living and five years of podcasting. Funny how things work out. Anyway, I think I can speak for all of us when I say have a very happy, geeky, and fun birthday. And for all of us, live long and prosper. Nineteen sixty, U.S. Senator John F. Kennedy announced his candidacy for the Democratic presidential nomination. The first CERN particle accelerator becomes operational in Geneva, Switzerland. The satellite Sputnik 4 is launched into orbit by the Soviet Union. The movies The Magnificent Seven, Psycho, and The Time Machine are all released. And on TV, you had the premiere of My Three Sons, The Flintstones, and The Andy Griffith Show. But of course, the most important thing that happened in 1960 was the birth of Rick Dosty. On November 8, 1960, Little Rick was born. And who knew one day that he would be the host of one of the coolest and funnest sci-fi podcasts around. I couldn't imagine my life without my Treks and Sci-Fi family. And it's all thanks to Rick, or as we like to call him, Rico. So I want to wish you all the best on this, your 50th birthday. How does it feel to be a half a century old, huh? Guess I'll find out in 10 years. Hope you have a fantastic 50th birthday, Rico. You deserve the very best.
Hey, Rico. This is Al from the Tales from the Mouse House podcast. Just wanted to wish you a happy birthday. They tell me that you're 50 years old. I just can't believe that. I, I refuse to believe that you, Rico, are 50 years old. I would have guessed no more than, I don't know, 49 years and 11 months. But seriously, uh, happy birthday, my friend. Glad that uh, you are around. Glad that you uh, decided to bless us all with the Trexan Sci-Fi podcast and forums. You gave all of us geeks a place to gather, kind of like moths to a flame. But seriously, enjoy your day. Do all the things that you've always wanted to do and uh, maybe a few of the things that you shouldn't do. Take care. God bless. And Happy birthday, Mr. President. is all inside your head she said to me the answer is easy if you take it logically I'd like to help you in your struggle to be free there must be 50 ways to leave your lover hi Rico this is Vartok with really wishes of happy birthday to you the geek meister himself Rico Dosti We have all been fortunate to have your weekly podcast add a spice of life to our travels on this round spaceship called Earth as we fly through our galaxy. Each week we've learned a little bit more about you, Rico, and so we have come to know you by proxy. Throughout these last five years, you have provided us with your insights into the sci-fi world, and you have provided entertainment and friendship each week. For all of this, we wish you well, and as some say... 50 is nifty. Now, it is my understanding that people who reach the age of 50 are, by then, bestowed with sage knowledge and by means of all their life experiences are, well, amazingly smart. Of course, being a sci-fi enthusiast, as you are, you are undoubtedly endowed with the book of knowledge answer to life's most difficult questions. So, on this auspicious occasion, I want to thank you for all you have done for the sci-fi community. And duly recognizing your intelligence and knowledge, I seek your answers to life's ten most difficult questions. Here is the first one. Rico, if you ate both pasta and antipasto, would you still be hungry? (laughs) Now, why are hemorrhoids called hemorrhoids instead of asteroids? (laughs) If you spin an oriental man in a circle three times, does he become disoriented? Now, how did they get deer to cross the road only at those yellow road signs? 
If one synchronized swimmer drowned, do the rest drown too? The problem's all inside your head, he said to me. The answer's easy if you take it logically. I'd like to help you in your struggle to be free. There must be. If you try to fail and succeed, what have you done? <laughs> Whose cruel idea was it for the word lisp to have an S in it? <laughs> Is it true that if you don't sweat the petty things, then you also shouldn't pet the sweaty things? Here's a math question. Does the Little Mermaid wear an algebra? And finally, after Mozart died, did he decompose? <laughs> well, certainly as a student of music, Bartok is interested in the answer to that question. Rico, I certainly hope in one of your future podcasts you will provide the answers to all of these difficult life questions. In the meantime, now it's my turn to provide you my sage, Skorillian knowledge as an observer of human nature. And that is, if you haven't grown up by age 50, you don't have to. Well, that's it for this special happy birthday message to Rico. And now back to you, Rick. Slip out the back, back, making you plan, stand. No need to car Listen to me. Very, very, very nice. Thanks to everybody that gave the, the great birthday greetings to Rico. Again, happy birthday, Rico. Thanks for everything you do. We really enjoy this podcast. I think it's a very special thing in our life, and we appreciate you, and we're just so glad that you turned a half century old. <laughs> hey, I'm sure that Rico would love to hear from you. Uh, would you write him? It's treksf at gmail.com. That's treksf at gmail.com. You can always visit treksinsci-fi.com. And, of course, uh, join the forums there. We have a lot of fun, a lot of camaraderie, and a lot of goofy things happen there. But we really love science fiction and Star Trek, and it's great to be together as a group of people. So please come on over and join our happy little throng. Mm -hmm. Treksinsci-fi.com. Thanks, everybody. Had a a blast uh, hosting this week. And uh, here's to many, 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 many more years for Rico and for the Treks and Sci-Fi podcast. Have a great day. God bless. You've been listening to the weekly podcast, Treks in Sci-Fi, with Rico Dosti. For 
more information, visit treksinsci-fi.com. Join the forums at treksinsci-fi.com slash forum. Dr. Beverly Crusher, I would appreciate an explanation. Yes, you should. Do you have a comment, a suggestion, or a question? Email Rico today at treksf at gmail.com. That's treksf at gmail.com. How do you think that tells me about your character? Treks in Sci-Fi, the weekly podcast with geeky goodness and entertainment news. Copyright 2010. All rights reserved. I can assure you that I'm not given to casual relationships. Yes, you should. Goodbye.